today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, the Ontario government has laid out their plans for distribution of recreational pot when it becomes legal as of October 17th. Here's what Ontario Attorney General uh, Caroline Mulrooney had to say about how it's all going to go down. Municipalities would have a one-time window to opt out of permitting physical cannabis retail within their municipal boundaries. The deadline for such opt-outs would be January 22nd, which is three months after the municipal elections. All right, let's bring in Michael Armstrong, PhD Associate Professor, Goodman School of Business, Brock University, and with us now. Michael, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. I'm happy to be here. Your thoughts on uh, the PC's version of how distribution will work as opposed to the Liberals? Uh, well, the obviously some drastic differences, private sector versus public sector for most of the retailing. Uh, probably more important uh, from both a consumer point of view and a policy point of view is a vastly larger number of stores are likely to come out because of that. Uh, the Ontario government in their kind of preview of the legislation yesterday uh, indicated there would be no overall cap on store numbers, so they're sort of following the Alberta model and leaving that up to uh, private businesses aside. Uh, if we see numbers... Uh, proportional to what Alberta has based on the difference in populations. That means we could you know, easily see uh, something like 2,000 uh, retail stores across the province. Uh, your thoughts on the cap. Should there be a cap? What's the significance of that? Um, I don't see a point of having a cap. Um, it's, uh, it just seems like an artificial restraint. Either if the cap is uh, high, then business uh, would never hit it anyway. If the cap is low, then you question, okay, what are we, we're restricting the number of stores, what does that accomplish? Um, so some provinces have done that. Uh, Saskatchewan uh, did cap the number of stores, so uh, at about 51 for their uh, much smaller population. Um, I think that kind of defeats the purpose. I mean, the, the, you're trying to li- uh, legalize cannabis to drive out the black market. You have to compete with that existing black market, which for better or worse, is pretty much everywhere. Uh, so you want your retail stores to go, you know, again, for better or worse, pretty much everywhere, anywhere there's a sufficient market, a sufficient demand. What about advantages to the private way that the PCs are electing for distribution versus what the uh, the, the past Liberal government was, uh, was suggesting? What are your thoughts on both those systems? Um, in principle, public sector and private sector retail, I think both have uh, potential advantages. Um, I think the private sector, uh, given their profit motive, their uh, built-in desire to serve the customer to get more sales, uh, they would have the advantage at providing uh, probably better service, uh, responding to customer preferences, that kind of thing. Um, on the other hand, the public sector, because they don't feel they have to make that profit, would probably be better at the... Uh, Uh, public education, uh, informing the consumer, um, because that's also part of the public policy objective is to, uh, you know, okay, if if somebody wants something, okay, we should provide it, but uh, we should also be educating about the uh, potential risks of using the substance. So public sector could be better at that, uh, whereas private sector is probably better at actually serving uh, consumers and, and helping to drive out the black market. The other difference, though, is in the details of implementation, the previous Liberal government set the number of stores far too low. They're only aiming for about 40 in the first year, and uh, they had only actually made progress on about four before the uh, election uh, turfed them out. 
So uh, public versus private in principle, there's advantages either way. Uh, but the previous public plan uh, was, I think, woefully inadequate. So I think this new private sector plan is, is much better in those respects. What about cost of the to the government with both of these plans? What about profit for the government under both those? Uh, well, cost is easier to, to nail down in the sense of uh, this approach, the provincial government and therefore us as taxpayers, uh, we avoid the upfront cost of having to set up a dis- distribution retail network, uh, having to... So in other buy. words, because they're not doing it through uh, a public system, it's there's no need to build all the cannabis stores like there would be LCBOs. Uh, well, we won't be paying for them. Yeah. Uh, the private co- companies will be building or renting or renovating. Right. Uh, all those expenses will be borne by them. Uh, whereas uh, with an LCBO kind of model, we would be, as taxpayers, would be paying that upfront cost. In the long term, uh, that's really up in the air because no one's really sure uh, how big the legal market will be, uh, how profitable it will be, how much of that profit will occur at the production end versus the retail end. Uh, in the short term, the next couple of years at least, I don't think uh, any of the provincial governments really expect to make money on cannabis. Uh, whatever revenues they take in from uh, taxes and such, I think they'll be spending far more on uh setting up enforcement, regulatory regimes, that kind of thing. Um, so five years from now, that, I think that would be a very good question. But right now, don't plan on making money. Uh, and the, as a government, don't plan on making money, whether you're private or public sector retailing. Does the government lose any money by not operating these these systems by, them, uh, by themselves? Do they lose money by farming this out to private uh, entrepreneurs? Well, uh, potentially. Because they're going to have to pay for licensing. Will they not have to pay for licensing? Would they not make it back there? Well, that's exactly it. it. A lot depends on the details of the variables. If the retail stern, retailing end turns out to be very profitable, uh, then yes, the government would be missing out on, on getting their uh, direct share of that. But as you just brought up, uh, government has other tools. Uh, so there's already, uh, you know, we have the uh, HST, uh, the sales taxes that are going to go on automatically. The uh, federal government has put an excise tax on, which the province gets a share of. Um, the provincial government could easily add increase or uh, that tax later if they find the industry's profitable. Uh, licensing fees uh, could be kind of nominal, like a lot of small retailers, or they could be quite hefty if uh, if it turns out you know the industry's profitable and can afford it. So, yeah, there's ways the government can get their uh, their cut if they uh, if they see that there's actually money to be made there. Are you and su- don't forget they still will be running the uh, online. Retail, right, right, right. Which is actually the cheapest way to, to mm-hmm. sell the product. Um, so their profit margin might actually be better in some ways than the, the private sector. Are you surprised we are here considering how alcohol is distributed in this province? Um, in yes, uh, it's a big change. Um, can you see el- hand, Can you see alcohol going private? Oh, well, that's a whole other question. Mm. And uh, with the Conservative government in power, which was I was about to say, I'm not surprised given that we now have a Conservative government in in uh, power. Uh, and this has kind of been a long-standing uh, tradition that the left-wing governments prefer to have uh, public ownership of all kinds of things, and the uh, right-wing governments prefer private ownership of all kinds of things. Uh, and some cases they, those preferences stand regardless of whether it actually makes sense. Uh, so 
uh, with uh, Premier Ford and the progressive conservatives taking over the government, uh, it doesn't surprise me that their their first inclination is to say, okay, what what don't we have to do? What can we uh, what can we hand out to the private sector? Because in principle, we'd rather not have any of it. Um, and since they took power where the public sector retailing that the liberals had planned really hadn't gone very far, it was very easy for them to just yeah. turf it all out. Uh, what what, what um, yeah. are your thoughts on allowing those that were operating in the gray area or illegally uh, to apply for licenses, providing they stop producing or selling rather by October 17th, which kind of seems odd because uh, at the end of the day, you're just going from one to the other. Are you surprised they're allowing those that were working in the gray area to do that? Well, that actually brings up a bigger question. So Toronto, or it's not Toronto, the Ontario government is not putting a cap on the total number of stores, but it does seem they're going to have all, uh, quite a number of limits on uh, who owns those stores, how many stores they have, what their background can be. So one of those, as you just brought up, uh, if you are operating a legal store but you shut down by October 17th, you would be eligible to apply. Uh, one of the uh, video presentations I saw indicated that uh, you could actually have a previous uh, pot uh possession charge on your record, but as long as it was a minor one, you would still be able to apply for a license. Uh, what about if, if you apply now, can you be in business by October 17th, and just October 16th, you're on the gray side, October 17th, you're on the legal side? Well, the first problem there is nothing is legal uh, on the retail side until April. Good point. Uh, oh, so yes, yeah, so you're right. It's between uh, so, October and, and, and the if spring. If you're running a illegal... So they want you to be clean for six months before they'll give you the license. Yes, exactly. So uh, if it was just a one-day transition, yeah, uh, I think that would that would be more attractive to the current uh, dispensaries. Uh, but you've nailed it exactly. They have to basically shut down for four months or convert, convert themselves to uh, you know a coffee shop or something for four months five months um, and the other catch is they have to do that not entirely being sure they'll actually be able to get a license at that's the, the other thing there is no guarantee right uh, because there you still have to apply there are, are different steps where it's possible it could be turned down for something as simple as zoning regulations that being said Michael you're out of business by October 17th or sorry April October 17th or April uh, 7 or April 1st anyway right simply because if you're not licensed they're gonna really crack down on you once it does become uh, legal well, that's that's certainly the assumption. That's certainly the message the pro province is trying to give. Do you think we're uh, going to still see gray area operations after April? There are already uh, gray market uh, dispensary owners saying they're just going to keep running yeah. um, and kind of see what happens because you know part of it is a question of enforcement. Right now, the enforcement, the police are enforcing the rules, but you know it's not their number one priority. So. They kind of get around. To yeah, but once this becomes up. a taxable product, you can see that completely changing. Uh, then there becomes more incentive, yes, for the uh, for the government to shut it down quickly. Um, so I think uh, I think most of them are going to disappear, either transition to legal or get out of the market, or maybe just start selling accessories or something like that. Because I think you're right, yeah. but uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see some continue to try uh, operating in one way or another. And of course, there'll still be just some straight black market uh, sales still operating um, regardless as long as they can make money. There's no cap on how many of these outlets you can have. 
Um, who's going to buy into them? Is this going to be mom and pop, or is this going to be big corp? Ah, well, there are some limits on who can own them, uh, although they're not well defined yet. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the legislation says. The one that was uh, laid out yesterday was that anyone who's got a production license will be limited to a single retail outlet in Ontario. So the big corporate producers like Canopy Growth, Aurora, uh, who would like to set up their own chains across the province, uh, are just have just been told, no, you can only have one store, uh, you know, sort of a one factory outlet. Canopy Growth right. presumably would set theirs up in Smith Falls, their main uh, production site. Um, so that measure, although the government didn't say it, sounds like it is kind of indirectly encouraging mom-and-pop stores uh, or mom-and-pop uh, producers, you know, have a, a micro, a single right. greenhouse, grow your own stuff, and then sell it yourself. So it won't be like a craft brewer's thing, or, well... Well, it might. Yeah, it could um, be, yeah. But that's one of the details I'm, I'm looking to see because uh, they might, you, know, you have a production license in the federal and a, a retail license in the province, but still require you ship all your pots through the provincial wholesaler. Uh, so you grow it, you send it to the right. central warehouse, and then you get it back from the central warehouse. That would be kind of silly, but governments do these things sometimes. Um, and there were some hints in the announcement that there might be some other limits, uh, perhaps on, uh, like Alberta has a market share limit. No, no one can have more than 15% of all the retail outlets. Um, is that going to show up in the legislation this afternoon? I don't know. I'm uh, interested to see. What about online sales versus uh, the shops that will be uh, available after April? Wh- where do you think the public's going to go? Um, well, there are a lot of people who are very comf- comfortable now buying things online, buying everything from Amazon, or uh, even sometimes you buy things from the local store these days, uh, but you purchase them through the site and then pick them up at the store. Um, so I think there'll be quite a bit of use to that site. In fact, uh, it, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it gets overloaded the first couple of days as people try to uh, create accounts, log in, and all that good stuff. Um, what about those records and people crossing borders and such? Well, that's exactly what I was thinking of next is, however, there uh, will probably also be reluctance, at least on some uh, people, about uh, yeah creating that record uh, as opposed to going to a store and paying cash and uh, having nothing on your record. Um, I know some of the other provinces... Do you think this will be largely a cash business at a store? Um, I don't know. I mean, will people uh, feel think... comfortable using their debit cards or their credit cards? Uh, that's a, a good question. Um, I, what some provinces are doing is they have set up... Um, one of the maritime provinces, I forget which one's which now, Nova Scotia or New Brunswick, uh, they're both running their public sector. They have government-owned stores, and they're both run through their uh, liquor outlets or their liquor uh, agency. Uh, but at least one of them has set it up so that w- if you use your credit card, what shows up on the receipt is the liquor agency oh. parent company name, hmm. not the cannabis uh, store name. So if the Ontario uh, Ontario Cannabis stores, OCS, uh, sets that up, then there won't be much record uh, to be concerned about because your credit card statement will just say uh, maybe LCBO uh, or Ontario government or something. But if it actually says Ontario Cannabis Corporation uh, or something like that, then some people I think will uh, question that. What about consistency with stores 
in the private sector. I mean, it won't. It certainly won't be like an LCBO sort of thing. It, it'll be quite a hodgepodge, won't it? You'll have all the glorious variety of private sector retailing. Yeah. Um, so there'll be different styles of store decor. Uh, some are already talking about kind of a coffee shop uh, theme. Uh, some are going more of a clinical, uh, cool, professional look to them. Uh, I would wouldn't be surprised if there's a few that go with kind of a retro uh, reefer madness, uh, yeah. just to kind of play up the stereotypes. Um, so that's what the private sector is really good at: is they try different things, they innovate, and some of those innovations will uh, probably succeed wildly, and some of them will probably fail wildly. And that's okay. That's what how the private sector works. So there'll be, I think, a couple years of sorting things out, finding out what works, finding out what consumers actually like. Uh, how will these retailers advertise? Because there is no advertising. Well, that's another, uh, you know, we talk about gray market. That's going to be a gray area. Um, it certainly hasn't stopped Canopy from doing anything prior to uh, October 17th, that's for sure. Well, now, there's... That's one of the distinctions is until October 17th, there are no rules on advertising. Yeah. Uh, as of October 17th, then the federal law kicks in uh, in terms of limiting advertising. Uh, so you won't be able to have uh, uh, endorsements from celebrities on those ads, for example. You won't be able to have uh, ads that make the product look glamorous or exciting. But what about the canopy? What about the canopy? What about the canopy high ads? Um, yeah, I've seen some of those on, on websites. Um, you are allowed to do advertising that is what they call informational, uh, providing information uh, to consumers. Uh, you are allowed to advertise as long as it's in a medium where it should be mostly adults who are going to see it. Um, but it's not. I don't think it's very well understood at this point how all those terms are going to be interpreted and therefore enforced. So how, you know, how exciting does something have to be before it becomes mm -hmm. too exciting for uh, uh, federal legal purposes? Um, I mean, most if you have a good advertisement for a product, it hopefully is exciting, uh, evokes an emotion, and triggers you to want to go out and, and buy something. Well, you won't be able to do quite that, but maybe you can do something educational that kind of hints at your product. Um, that's going to be interesting to see, and I don't think anybody really is sure. Last question. What about smoking anywhere you can smoke tobacco? That one, I think, was a surprise, uh, particularly given the announcement back in August about um, where when the conservatives had announced they were switching to private sector. Almost everything they said in that announcement was about law and order, talking about safety and security and now we got this announcement uh, yesterday that, oh, yeah, you'll be able to smoke it pretty much almost anywhere you could smoke a cigarette. Um, so that surprises me. I think from a business point of view, that's a, a plus in the sense it just makes it simple. Uh, some other jurisdictions, there's all kinds of rules. Uh, some of the rules vary from municipality to municipality, and consumers could actually get you know confused as, okay, where am I actually allowed to smoke? Um, so the shift from only in your privately owned home to, well, basically anywhere you can smoke a cigarette uh, is good from that perspective. Now, I know my colleague uh, who works in uh, our health uh, sciences faculty uh, finds it rather more shocking. Uh, he doesn't think it's a great idea from the public health perspective. 
Uh, so maybe you want to get him on your next show. Mm, good point. Michael Armstrong has been with his Ph.D. associate professor at Goodman School of Business, Brock University. Michael, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. It's a pleasure to chat. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.